There you go, because that would have been uh that would have sucked that I went through all this and it didn't record. Uh, all right, screen share. screen and somebody typed something in the comments and I did not see it. So this is our um, rough, is this the, uh, I hope this is re-edited. It doesn't look like it. Let me make sure these numbers. So this is the analyzer that I've created. Let's make sure these numbers went back to, oh, it's not, it didn't save. No, it didn't because investment is percent is supposed to be 18. <clears throat> so we're going to go through looking at the numbers and we're going to go through uh, making sure the formulas are correct. So I'm not going to get too deep into it because I want to at least give people a little bit more time to log in, <clears throat> but I like to fiddle with my figures uh, for two reasons. To one, make sure that I'm getting the correct answer um, because numbers will lie to you. If you have, if you input bad information, you will get bad information out. Um, and there are a lot of ways to also manipulate numbers. So I like to look at things from a few different ways. Um, when I'm doing my analyzation. So that's why sometimes the formulas aren't 100%. Another reason why they're not 100%, sometimes I'm gonna just blame this on me being user error, that when I let, so you guys can see here. So let's say I, uh, where it says cap, cap stands for cap rate, and I input another row behind it, to put in more information between cap rate and NOI, sometimes, and again, I'm gonna blame it on myself, user error, uh, the formulas don't change. Uh, let me be more specific. So right here, this is uh, Bravo 8, B8. And if I put another one below it, it should be uh, Bravo 9. This formula in Bravo 9 should change. It's not a formula there, but if it was, it should change from 9 to 10. And sometimes I found that it doesn't. So again, I'm going to take all the blame and assume it's something I didn't do right or maybe I screwed it up. Um, let's see here. It is 810. So hello, everyone. And is this the first meeting I've done since my trip out of the country? I don't think so. I think last week. And it's all going to be open conversation. So you guys are free to uh, chime in. Where is, is that where I want to be? I always lose my two bar. Oh, we want the desktop. Screen sharing, participants. There we go. Nobody's allowed to talk. That's why. I'm coming, guys. I will say technology doesn't like me, but I'm usually really good with technology. All right. Everybody can take themselves off of mute if you so wish to. And I will start 
um, displaying how to make a million dollars in four minutes at 8.15. Okay, well, Tracy, I understand why his keeps going to um, automatic mute because he kept getting uh, booted for whatever reason. All right, so everybody um, is allowed to take themselves off of mute. And anybody have any good real estate stories um, this last week or this last month? We're what, mid-month almost? End of the month, uh, starting January 1 tomorrow. So uh, I'm sorry, June. June 1st tomorrow. Like, well, universe, you went to the uh, Matrix on that one. <laughs> yep, so I'm all discombobulated, but I'm getting it back together. So I feel like I went on vacation with you. <laughs> you got a but, story um, on mine? No, got I've got... The end of the month? End of the month stories? Nah, um, literally, I'm still patching up uh, some rental properties. So yeah, I'm still okay. still plugging yeah. away, chipping Stay away. Busy. People still there Stay working busy. so we can get moving in on tomorrow. Anybody else got any uh cool or horror stories y'all want to go into before we start this? Um, how do we make a million dollars in real estate? I had my property manager go over to a property today and meet the police to find out who the squatter was. Mm-hmm. What are the squatting laws in your state, Tracy? The computer don't like Tracy. I think it kicked him back out. <laughs> All right, Marcus, you are allowed to talk. And Alex, you're allowed to talk. And we'll talk to Tracy when he gets back in. Um, because this is a webinar and I don't get a ping, if you guys see Tracy come back in, let me know so I can take him off of mute. Um, yeah, because I don't have any other panelists or anybody else I can um, pass the baton to to, to work controls. <clears throat> All right, it's close enough. It's 8.14. It'll be... 8.15 in a second. So welcome to Investors Gallery. We meet every Tuesday, obviously, um, if you're here or if you're watching this video at a later time, we meet every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central. One day, I promise uh, we will be meeting or I will be shooting uh, the video from our art gallery. I did build this by hand. Um, the art gallery is 99% finished. I actually was going to do uh, the video today in our art gallery, more so to poke fun at myself and the stuff that I'm trying to fix in there. But because I wanted to show you stuff uh, on a screen share, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense to try to hold this in my lap or uh, I have a little table that uh, the laptop was going to sit on. This makes more sense. So maybe next week um, we'll be in the actual art gallery, whether it's finished or not, because I know some people like he ain't got an art gallery. He just keeps saying that. So thank you guys for coming to Investors Gallery. The point of this conversation is to bring 
everybody that is on here and everybody who is watching, who is unfamiliar with investments and allow you to speak to people and have live interactions with people, live access to people who are experts. There are a few people on here now who are experts. There are a few people on here now who know way more than I do. Um, I am, well, I would like to say uh, I am the self-proclaimed multifamily expert. Uh, I am the uh, the principal of Dimensional Capital Partners here in Houston, Texas. Um, we currently have a $80 million, 300 unit wrap in Houston that we are developing. We are working with um, a city in Michigan and building 150 residential homes there to help rebuild and revitalize the city. And we're always looking for multifamily to buy. So that's what I do. Um, but I like you guys to come because if you have any questions about crypto or single family, we had a gentleman on, I think two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and he was the head of an $80 million real estate fund. So we never know who we have uh, that's going to be joining us. Um, I have been very blessed to have a lot of um, people who have reached, um, not the top, but a really, really good place in their career. Cause I don't, I would like to say we, none of us has reached the top yet. You know, we're always, um, reaching to do bigger and better things, but you never know who can be on here. So thank you guys for joining. Uh, I'm going to check the chats one more time so I can unmute everybody. All right, so I am going to do something you shouldn't do, and I see uh, Sujit, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm messing up your name, but as, if that's who I think it is, nice to see you again, brother. I uh, appreciate you making it, or both of you, because I'm assuming it's probably both of you guys are there um, and you're using his account. So um, you guys are also allowed to take yourselves off of mute. This is meant to be a conversation. Um, I think we are all professionals and I'm, you know, just going to assume nobody's going to be trying to talk over each other. Um, and I do ask for people to show respect. So let's get into how do we make a million dollars? So to be specific, how do you make a million dollars in one real estate to multifamily? And that's what I'm going to go through. I did not pre-do these numbers. So the numbers that you see on the screen now is actually from um, a previous deal that it's actually part of a previous deal. And I'm part of me looking up some other stuff um, after that deal. So that's why uh, Hampton court is there. And that's basically it. Cause I don't think the unit units are correct. I don't think the asking price is correct for us Hampton court. So we're going to start fresh. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a deal. Cause there are multifamily professionals on a call now. I am not going to create the absolute perfect event, but I'm not also I'm not going to create um, a 2021, 2022 multifamily scenario. The reason why is prices are really, really high right now. And I'm not trying to show you how to analyze a deal. I'm trying to show you what a really good deal will look like. So this would be pre-2017, 2018 deals. Um, that's what we're looking at. So we're kind of making up numbers just to give you an idea. So 
don't take it too seriously, but also understand this is how you will work through a deal. So the first thing is we have, and again, you guys, if you have questions um, about something I'm doing or, or why I'm doing it, uh, feel free. Cause this is meant to be a live conversation. Um, secondly, I never feel like I'm hundred percent right. Um, because even in science, science is right until it's wrong. Um, almost everything, you know, we thought the world was flat thousands of years ago. We realized it wasn't, we thought, uh, the earth was the center of the, the, uh, universe and, or the galaxy. And it's not, it's the sun or it's, yes, yeah, the sun, I was going to say it's the black hole, but it's not the black hole. All right. So we're going to keep it at hundred units. Um, and what I am going to do is bring up the calculator. Let's see, I bring up the calculator here. All right, calculator. And you know what? Yeah, I can do it this way. So we have the calculator up. I'm going to do another sheet, and that's going to be like our notes. And let's see if we can get everything up at one time. So um, I'm going to use Houston numbers. I'm going to use Houston 2016, 2018 numbers because I want to show you again what a good deal looks like. Um, there are still good do deals out there. Um, you just have to find them. And we teach that in our, in our coaching class. All right. So we're going to start with 100 units. And in Houston, and, and obviously the numbers are going to be pretty close to accurate, but, you know, we're, we're creating a semi-realistic scenario that makes sense. I'm not making something that is so unbelievable. We're like, yeah, if you do that, of course, you'd be a millionaire. Or of course, you make a million dollars. We're using numbers and information that is still maybe not that possible today, but normally uh, a pretty realistic scenario. So 100 units. Um, and then we're going to say the rent for this make-believe property is $950 per apartment, which in Houston, they're probably actually for a one bedroom, um, you would be about 950. Uh, we looked at a deal, South Houston, and the rents were actually 950. So this is a pretty good deal. Um, so hundred units, $950 per unit, right? And we do everything in commercial by the year. So, that is um, the yearly gross, okay? And let's make sure I did it again because I don't usually use this calculator. So 100 units times 950 units equals and then times 12 months in a year. So I'm going to put here one, uh -oh. just doing the same thing. I didn't uh, click on the spreadsheet. Here we go. All right. So 1.140. So 1, comma, 140, comma, 000. So that is the gross. If you had no expenses, no taxes, no nothing, that's, that is the big check that you would get every year. The rule of thumb for multifamily is your expenses um, are roughly 50% not including your, um, your mortgage your, or what's called debt service. Uh, I'm going to get a little technical. I'm not going to try to get too deep in the weeds, but I will get a little technical because, you know, to explain how to do surgery, you got to know the parts of the body, right? So the rule of thumb is 50%. So I do times 0.5. So you have your gross, I'm sorry, your, um, 
your what's called an NOI. NOI stands for net operating expenses is 570,000. I have not pre-done these numbers. I'm, I don't know what's going to get us to a million dollars. The purpose is to find what a deal kind of looks like that can make us a million dollars. And this is not the deal making a million dollars. This is how you personally make a million dollars. And I'm 90% sure, especially with 100 units, it's not going to be off of one deal. So I already had in my mind that it's going to take one or two deals or maybe three deals to get a million dollars in your account um, because that's real life. You know, um, there are deals if you go big enough that you can um, get make a million dollars off of it. But 100 units, you're not making a hundred a uh, million dollars from. So we have an NOI of 570. So we're going to assume for the whole year when people pay their rent and we pay for utilities and we pay property management fees and we pay for insurance and all that other stuff that are net, not including our debt service, which is what your mortgage um, is going to leave us with 570. So can I get one or two people say, hey, Presley, we can still hear you because um, it would not be unlike me to be talking and nobody can hear what I'm saying. Hey, Fred, you okay, thank you. <laughs> hey, Justin. Hey. Nice to, nice to hear you. All nice. right. So, um, Houston also has a cap rate ever decreasing, um, but uh, a cap rate of about 6%. Cap rate is roughly the percentage of return that you would get back from the property if you pay cash. It is also uh, a way that investors measure, um, what is the easiest way to, to put this? Um, the area or, or the, the, the value of the property. So for example, if a property is in a very, very wealthy area and it's a class A, it's a brand new building, right? Um, it's going to have a smaller return because it's going to be less risk. A small return in our world is really, and especially in Houston, is anything under 5%, 4%. So I can look at a building and not really know much about an area and say, hey, that building's in a really nice area. And for Houston, that's probably a 3%, 4%, uh, three, three cap or four cap or you know, somewhere around that without me knowing the value of the building because that number tells me what I think uh, the level of return. You get something in a rough area, you have more risk because you know a, a doctor living in a brand new building in a new area is probably gonna pay their rent. The person that is very low income is gonna have struggle moments. So long story for uh, a short answer. So cap rate here is anything that is in gray on the number side is something that is automatically calculated. It's a formula that I've already put in here. Um, so we have 100 units, and then we're going to put our NOI at 570. So 570, one, two, three. Now, we know what the NOI is. It's right here. It's 570. And I'm going to say the cap rate for this area is a 6%. 6% for Houston is kind of middle of the road, class B, um, blue collar, white collar-ish um, area. It's kind of, you know, 
the majority of what the city would be. The way that you calculate that is the value or the price of the building is always equal to the NOI. So in this case, 570 divided by the cap. So we're going to divide 570 by 0 0.06 because we're just going to throw out six. Um, information purposes, Houston is currently in a five cap. Um, so all the buildings that two years ago would be six is now fives. All right. So that means this building is worth $9.5 million. So I'm going to put here $9.5 million. Normally, okay, you see, we got a 6% um, cap. So that means that formula is right. Um, I always double check and triple check and, and double check my formulas um, because on my team, I'm the math nerd. I'm not the math person. We have a CPA that uh, once I look at it and I think it's a good deal, I send it over to the CPA. Um, he uses uh, my analyzer. He has another analyzer. And then we also use um, another guru's analyzer as well once we start digging into it. Um, but I'll go into that later. So we currently have a 6% cap, right? Means that is the, if you pay uh, cash, that's the return that you would get. And we have hundred units, the asking price, proposed price. The reason why I had to calculate it is because I'm creating a scenario. Normally you would call the broker or you would negotiate with the seller. In the broker's case, you would ask them for uh, the BOV, broker's opinion of value, or you can ask them what's the whisper price. So, hey, um, broker, you have Hampton Court. Um, I just got an email for it or I heard about it. However, what is the whisper price? That's telling them, the broker, that you kind of know the lingo, um, trust you a little bit because you're speaking his his um, his language. And he'll tell you on this property, hey, the, uh, the whisper price or the price guidance that I have on this property is 9.5. If there is anybody on this call, who hears me saying something incorrectly, chime in. I take criticism. Um, so down payment is <laughs> probably would never be 15% unless you're doing um, maybe um, after repair value, but that is, I'm not going to go into the weeds with loans. Typically, I like to put in 30%. Um, but you will be between 20% and 30% for your down payment. All right, so let's go down here, make sure everything looks good so far. So 9.5 looks good, 100 units, um, 95,000 a unit. That makes sense to me, 95 times 100, it's 9.5 million. NOI we created, so, so far, so good. All right, renovation estimate is kind of what you make it. The rule of thumb used to be 5,000. Um, the property that I actually did before this, they had partially renovated at 10,000. Um, 6,000 is a pretty good number. 7,500 is, I've been seeing a lot. So let's go middle of the road and let's say 7,000 because 8,000 was just for this property specifically. So I'm going to go here. I'm gonna change this to 7,000. 
and see why I always go back and check my numbers. I mean, my formulas because I'm always fiddling with stuff. Okay. Remember, this is a good deal. This is an amazing deal. We found this deal direct to seller. We were able to negotiate. Um, so that we're going to, the reason why I'm saying it is we're going to say a hundred units. So all of the units need to be renovated. Acquisition fee is part of your check. So quick story, very, very quick story. My partner and I have uh, a friend who just closed on, it's been maybe three months now, but he just closed on his first acquisition. Acquisition is the process of buying a multifamily or really anything that's, you know, acquisition means, but his check was 450,000. He did it by himself. He didn't buy it by himself, but he put the deal together by himself. He found the investors. Um, he found the deal. He did all the work. He did all the hard work and his fee is 3%. His fee on that deal was 3%. So when he uh, went through the acquisition process of buying the building, buying it, not selling it, not doing a whole bunch of work, just buying it to start the business plan. He got a check for $450,000. Um, when you get really, really high, so 50 million, 100 million, a lot of times the acquisition fee will drop because 3%, I mean, when you 3% of $100 million, now you're just, now you're just talking crazy. Um, but 3% up to a certain point is a normal fee, a normal figure. So you know what? Let's do this. So we're going to put into our spreadsheet. I forgot the number that quick. I just remember it starts with a two. Was it 285? Let's see. What was it? Acquisition fee, 285. All right. So we're going to put 285. And that was our, I'm going to put syndication. All right. So also called a syndication fee. So let's go back over here and look at the rest of the numbers. Um, so 7,000 closing costs, just have 3%, um, soft costs. I always leave about 50. It depends on the building. 50 is probably a lot. Um, you're looking at appraisals, appraisals, seven grand ish, depending, um, area, depending on how big the building is when five, seven grand, um, soft costs is everything that you pay on a loan before, you get to closing. So all the stuff that you have to pay for, um, not including earnest money though. Total down that I have calculated. Oh, I see a hand raise. I can't see stuff on here. Um, and if there's nobody talking, go ahead and just, Jay, you are allowed to talk and Martinique, you are allowed to talk again. Um, yeah, just go ahead and chime in if you have a question. Who had their hand raised and had a question? Nobody, or you don't want to ask? Jay, I'm talking to you. Jay is the most polite person in the world. <laughs> Presley, sorry, uh, I accidentally hit the race. Uh, I'm oh, actually going to okay. exit. I was asking if this is going to be recorded. I got to leave now, but... Uh, yes. Okay. Yep, it will be. Um, I'll find you, and I'll shoot you over um, the link for it. Yeah, it's uh, Alex, Alex Mora. Uh, okay. But yeah, th th thanks a lot, man. I'll be I'll be looking out for that, and uh, I'll be reaching out. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Alex. Appreciate it. See you later. Bye-bye.
All right, so soft cost total down is the calculation of kind of everything. Uh, tax rate, I have 2%. 2% for Houston is a little low. Let's put, um, let's do 2.5. That's a little bit more realistic. Um, so expense ratios, 45% currently. High 40s, low 50s is okay. Um, it's when you see an expense ratio in the 30s. If it's in the 20s, they just they flat out lying. Um, if it's a really high expense, then that means it might be bad property management, which is <laughs> actually a good thing. Because if they're running a property very poorly, that means when you step in, without you necessarily injecting money, you can lower the expenses, um, which creates more income, which means the property's worth more. Because remember, price equals the net operating income, which is you know your kind of your cash flow minus everything, um, divided by the cap rate. Cap rate is, for, for this conversation, it doesn't really change. Okay, so loan amount minus everything, you're at 7 million. The numbers are red. The reason why the numbers are red because I R I R R and all the information down here um, hasn't been changed. But what I want to do, we're going to real quick jump over to this part, um, and this is a really quick way to see how you can make money. So remember, we started with a hundred units times nine fifty a unit. We said we're going to put $7,000 into um, all of the units and we're going to raise the rents because now the, the units are, are amazing. They have vinyl floors. We traded out the old white appliances for stainless steel and Houston, actually probably about 1500, but let's say up a decent amount, let's say 1300. So we went from 950 to 1300. In reality, the, the gap is not always that big. It just depends on the deal that you find and it depends on what you negotiate, what you can negotiate. So we're gonna go here and say 100 units times um, 1350, okay? And then equal, and then we're gonna do everything by the year. So the gross has went to 1620000. We're still going to use the rule of thumb. We have the, the analyzer to give us the exact numbers and percentages and stuff, but we're just going to do the rule of thumb on this page. Let's say times 0.5 or divided in half. So now our NOI is 810,000. So when I do these napkin numbers, um, it's really interesting to see the individual's face because they're like, you did all that work and you went from 570 to 810. I mean, it's a couple hundred thousand. That's good. But I mean, I don't see why this is some amazing thing. And then I show them how, you know, how to finish calculating it. So we went from 570 NOI to currently 810 NOI. But you have to incorporate your cap rate, which is six. So divided by 0 0.06. And this is going to tell us what the building is now worth. So for all intents, 
what is it? All intents and purposes? Because I don't think it's all intents and purposes. You get what I'm trying to say. For this scenario, um, we bought the building for 9.5 million. We're not going to incorporate on this screen uh, the down payment and all that stuff, which is big numbers. We bought it for 9.5. We put, um, would that be 700,000? We put 700,000 into the building. Um, I'm not going to go into cap X, which is repairs, maintenance to the to your property that, that does not necessarily increase your rent. So if you put a new uh, microwave in, you can increase the rent 50 bucks. If you put a new roof in, tenants don't care if you have a new roof or not. They just care that their apartment doesn't leak. That will be CapEx. Um, new um, AC units, they don't care if it's new or not, long as it works. So things that do not improve value is uh, a CapEx or capital expenditure. So the number that we're waiting on is we bought it for 9.5. Now it's worth 13.5 million. I'll take that all day. So, and that's, that's a rough estimate. Um, so if you bought, bought the building today, put 700,000 into it tonight, and then sold the building tomorrow for 13 point, you know, sold the building, you will get, it will be valued at 13.5 million. Now in real life, cap rates move. Cap rates should be the only thing that you're negotiating because you don't negotiate rent that's been paid. Um, that's what's called the T12. So T12 will show you the rents, whatever that number is, it is. If rents were, in this case, 1.4 million, or let's say 1.6 million, it's 1.6 million. The income, because we're dealing with a commercial property, is what dictates the price of it. But the thing that you do negotiate is the cap rate, or it can negotiate is the cap rate. Anybody got any questions so far? Or somebody say something so I don't feel like I'm talking to uh, a weird looking camera? Let's see. No questions for <laughs> I see Jay. No questions for now. Presley, this is Aya. Hey. Hey. Um, can you write out the formula that you're talking about? Um, price equals NOI. And I'm going to put. We're going to imagine it's a uh, division sign there divided by cap rate. Okay. Uh, wrong button. Where is my underlying button? Well, yeah, imagine that that's divided. So price equals NOI divided by cap rate. Okay. So we're mostly targeting cap rate for us to say yay or nay. Um. In short, yes. Um, for, for this scenario, we're not going to assume the cap rate is going to change. Um, it is so many things that can go into that. Um, the area, um, how hot the property is, who you're buying it through. If you're buying it through a direct seller, typically you can get a better deal. If you're buying it through a broker, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because they do this and negotiate every day. Um, so you're at a slight disadvantage, even, even if you're a seasoned investor or not, they do this every day. You might do it, you know, every couple months, once a year, twice a year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so for, for this scenario, we're just going to say cap rate stays the same. In real life, does it stay the same? No, it's going to move a little bit, um, but I'm not trying to get too technical. And that will be inputting information. And now was just, we might as well be making a movie because we're putting in so much um, not false information, but made up information. Okay, well, was it in a good area or a bad area? And um, was there buildings around it that sold for a higher cap rate or lower cap rate? It's just unnecessary information right now. And just doing the analyzation by itself is a lot to take in. Um, so yeah, we're gonna leave cap rate alone. Okay. But did you have any other questions about cap rate or anything else before I keep moving? No. No? Okay. Cool beans. Thanks for your questions. So that is the, um, as you see my down here, my, my quick and dirty. So basically we bought the building for nine and a half million. We could sell it for 13 and a half million, but that also does not include um, the rent that you get. So the way that, and we, we, we will still come down here and look at the rents and stuff, but the way that we analyze property is, or I'm sorry, make money off property is you have the investor side and you have, I'm sorry, the investor side, and then you have the sponsor side or the syndicator or the operator. We go by many names as long as our name is on the check. So um, my office is weird. So when I built the office, I ran, I have a duct here and I have a duct out there. And it's like, I don't know. We have every, the house is only two years old. Sometimes it gets like really cold in here and, and it's comfortable or cool. And sometimes it just gets hot. I think my, maybe my kids are playing with the thermostat. You know, I'm hot. So you have an investor side that makes money which will be the passive side. And then you have the sponsor side. I am the sponsor or those who are looking to uh, buy a multifamily uh, will be the sponsor as well. Sponsor is typically a 80-20 split. The pref rate can go from 6% to 9% to, it can be really whatever you want. The pref is just what you're giving to the investor as kind of a, a carrot to say, hey, we'll give you an extra so much percent um, to come in on this deal, or if you have what's called a hurdle. This is kind of almost a whole multifamily course by itself. This is kind of like a big chunk of the course that we're ch- <laughs> we're charging for. Um, so if you if you're not privy to our course, take notes and and ask for the link later. <laughs> um, so let's finish going down here. So profit is obviously negative. So we're gonna go in here. Pro forma NOI. So I, I used to have the pro forma NOI tied to uh, all these figures down here. A reason why I created my own analyzer is because some analyzers had way too much input and I wasn't concerned about all of the input at certain times. And some analyzers just really didn't have a whole lot of information or a whole lot of uh, places to put information that I wanted to see. So I made my own. In saying that, that's why I only have two numbers here. I don't have to. So the broker will give you something called an a OM or offering memorandum. And it's basically a brochure and it's going to have a lot of these um, 
numbers in them, or they and or they will send you uh, an email with um, the T12, which is going to have this, um, and hopefully a rent roll, which is going to be your list of um, tenants and rents. If I see a T12, which again is, is what's going to have the expenses and stuff. Um, and also I expect my camera to die pretty soon. <laughs> uh, that's a long story. We had an amazing podcast yesterday with Stacy Olingen. Stacy, are you on here? Let's see. I don't think she's on here. Okay. Well, anyway, we had an uh, amazing podcast with Stacy Olingen Olinger yesterday and I ran my battery out and forgot to charge it. Um, I don't need to go through the T12 and put in payroll and put in bad debt and put in adjusted rent, uh, residential rent and, and all this stuff. When I can just look at the, the bottom, which add every, added everything up and told me um, expenses for were 116 and maybe 89,000 for something else. If I like the deal, then I'll go into detail and make sure all the numbers added up exactly that they were supposed to. So it's not that I'm getting around it. It's just, it can take hours. It does take hours to underwrite a deal. And you want to know if you like the deal as quick as possible. And if you kind of like it or love it, then you dig into it to to finish figuring out if you like it or not. All right, so let's go back up here. So our performa is, we're gonna take that back to a six cap because remember, we're not trying to make anything crazy and put all this extra information in here. Uh, what was the 810? Okay, so 810 is our performa NOI. And just so everyone knows, my brain shuts off at eight o'clock. So every video we do, every podcast, I'm not a hundred percent. All right. So we have 810 in a pro forma and look at that. The numbers are starting to turn green. What do you know? Okay. So 6%, 810. I like that interest rate. We're just going to leave that alone. Cause I mean, that it is what it is. Um, let's see, is there any other things in green, light green that we want to change? I don't think so. So, so far, everything looks pretty good and pretty decent. Um, the purchase is, so this, okay, that's about right. So we decided that we were going to sell it for 13, five, is that too many zeros? No, that's right. All right. So one, three, five, zero, 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 zero. Cool. All right. Let's see what the IRR went to. Oh, look at that. I told you it was a good deal. Um, and forgive me, guys. I am kind of taking a long way out um, because the goal of this is to find out what does it take to make a million dollars. Uh, but I didn't want to just do the raw numbers, which is stuff on a calculator. I wanted to show you where that came from. So if we bought the building for 9.5, the purchase price was 7.9 um, after down payment and stuff. But let's put all of that in there. Let's see. 
So we're at basically 8 million. That is 30%. Um, so what I am considering is if the purchase was 9.5, putting in the 9.5 in addition to um, not the loan amount. What am I trying to say? The closing costs to be put into our IRR calculations. Uh, but we'll leave it alone because this is, is, we're not going into returns. We're going into how do we make a million dollars? So, so far we have made 285. And then um, let's look at the rest of our numbers terms. When you do multifamily, a good chunk of time, you will have a amortized, I can never say that word, loan for 30 years and a balloon in five, seven, 10 years. So that means the payments are split up with interest over 30 years, but it's due in five, seven, or 10 years. Um, in this case, I have um, the term being 30 years, and I have two because I like to know what both of my options are. One is interest only payment, which is 385, and one is a principal and interest. A good majority of the time, you will have an interest only payment for about two or three years. This is not like residential. You want print uh, interest only because being a syndicator or operator, we don't plan on keeping this. We, we don't typically have the business model to buy this and just sit on it for 20 years. You can, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, but you typically will sit on it for two years, just enough time to turn the units over, renovate them, and, and resell the building. So you're probably two at the absolute most five years if something happens either to the economy and you're waiting on an uptick or upturn or whatever, um, or the area that you're in is growing rapidly and you're trying to get that, um, that you know, uh, motion going up. The, I told you my brain shuts off at eight, but you know what I'm trying to say. All right, so the debt service cover ratio turns green at 1.2. We're well above that. The equity, interesting, interestingly enough, is only 1.3 on this side. Let's see what it is on this side. I bet you it's green. Yeah, it's, it's green over here. So the equity is basically you give me a dollar. How many dollars am I giving you back? Um, so for the investor, it looks like um, it's a three, which it makes sense because we created this deal out of thin air. This is a deal that um, would not be that uncommon pre-2018, now you got to do some work to find something like this, but they're still out there. So in this case, we would have made, probably could have did everything from here. We would have made a total, inch if we went interest only, $552,000 in a three-year period from $100,000. Let's see if my numbers are correct. I'm going to change this to five just to make sure it's input correct. All right, it is. Well, at least it's connected to something. We'll say that. All right, so we're assuming that we're going to hold this property for three years. And we walked away after three years and we made $552,000. I'm not going to incorporate the 285 
because that's the investor side. But I want you guys to know, hey, if I do this passively um, and I, I put in $100,000 on a deal, this is how much I can make. If I decide to go through Presley's coaching program, <laughs> um, you can make the 285 and then split from uh, the profit. So that $4 million, yeah, $4 million profit that you would have made off the building, the investors get 80% of that, you get 20%. Um, and then that's also not going into the tax um not liability. What's the opposite of liability? Tax shelters uh, that you get. So with multifamily on the passive side, my attorney and CPA would kill me, but you kind of don't pay taxes because of depreciation. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, I want to make sure my profit is correct and looks good. Profit is... $4 million. Hey, look at that. That That is the number that I calculated. Something's right. And then we're going to go back and we're going to quote unquote, inject this into the same deal. The reason why is the 1031 exchange uh, says that you can take profits at a taxable event um, for like and kind investment um, equal or greater to the previous investment. Um, Sure, it's probably more technical than that. But basically, that's saying that I can take this $552,000. Year one, you put in 100. You walked away with 552. You can take that, come back over here and put in. So first of all, deal one, you made a half a million in three years. No taxes. That's, that's sweet. But we're going to put in... 552, 620. Now that is everything, but we're going to say you took this $100,000 out of your 401k or your Roth um, account and you put it into the deal. Um, cool story. 401k was never created for retirement. 401k was created because after the Great Depression, the stock market had went down so much that uh, investors needed to create something to uh, promote the public and help the public reinvest into the to the stock exchange. And you got 401k. It was never meant for you to retire off of 401k. So now if you were never meant to retire from that, what are you retiring from? So that's crazy in itself. So we're going to put 552, 620 into the next deal because you never missed the money. You took it out your, your, your quote unquote retirement account. And now we're at 993. Um, and I think one of the reasons why the, the numbers went red down here is because now you're injecting so much money into the deal is kind of um, as far as like the down payment and stuff and the raise you're, you're exceeding. Let's see, what is the, the down? Yeah, you're, you're exceeding what the normal percentages would be. And another deal, outside of me just trying to show you how to make a million dollars, I would investigate why it dropped significantly. Um, oh, that makes sense. Because if I gave you a dollar and you made $4, the return is four. But if I gave you $5 and you still made four, your return is greater. Okay, I just figured it out.
So, but hey, so two deals. It would take two deals to get to 993. We're going to assume that's a million dollars because I don't want to keep you guys on here forever. We started at 815. I've been running my mouth for 45 minutes and I don't have any background music. So I just showed you in two deals and kind of <laughs> in 60 seconds how to make a million dollars. Um, and I thought I was going to have to go into um, the rents and price per square foot. And I didn't have to. So any questions? That is the rough. Um, and that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. That is the rough example of on the investor side, also with the 6% pref. Let's see what a zero. I'm going to do a 0.01. The zero might mess everything up. And let's go back to 100. Does anybody have any questions? So um, this, I, I, I came in a little late. So this is a syndication with how many units? 100. Okay. Mm -hmm. 100 units. Everything is uh, clearly made up fairy tale land. Um, this would have been, I would not have been surprised to see a deal like this in Houston, 2017, 2018. Obviously, COVID has changed the entire universe. Uh, but this is actually, do I have some old offer memorandums that have numbers close to this? This is not a if you showed this to a syndicator, they'll tell you it'd be tough to get now, but it's still something that is possible to see. This is what we look for. We look for something that resembles this. Um, units have not been renovated. Rents have not been raised. What you would typically see, especially if you're going through a broker, is if it's 100 units, they'll do 30. They'll do 50 or something like that, and then they'll leave meat on a bone. I'm doing air, air quotes. I don't know if you guys can see me or not from the uh, screen share, but they will leave units unturned and untouched. They will typically do cap X. So they'll come in, they'll buy the property. They'll fix the roof. They'll paint it. They'll make it look amazing, fix up uh, a decent amount of units, increase those rents and then sell it. So one, they can sell it faster um, because another investor is going to say, hey, you know, they did all the heavy lifting. All I have to do is finish renovating the um, the property by also. Uh, I guess we're done here, but and I'm surprised my um, thing hadn't my camera hadn't died yet. The next investor says, well, I don't have to do all this stuff, so I'm not going to make as much of a profit, but I also don't have to worry about replacing a roof and finding out there's mold in a ceiling or something like that. So this is a pretty, um, it, it's something that can be pretty realistic. What else? Any other questions? I get it. That's very helpful. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Please, let's... Um, two questions for you. One is, do you, it sounds like not everything has to be green, but there's certain ones that can't ignore if it's not green, which. Let me screen share again. You are correct. Um, so cash on cash. I still would like to see it double digits. Um, I've. Let me just be honest. I've never seen a deal with cash on cash um, was above 
12, 13% and the IRR was really high. Um, that's just by my personal, it's numbers. So it just depends. Cash on cash is very heavily dependent on your, uh, your down payment. So if I put 5% down payment, um, it don't like that. <laughs> um, but it is the, the, the formula is basically your, uh, your raise or your down uh, divided by your cash flow. Why did the cash flow go down? It should not have went down. Let's see, down payment percent. Oh, cash flow went down because the mortgage rate increased a tremendous amount. So it's it's a delicate balance. So let's go 30. So yeah, the cash flow goes up because you put more down and your mortgage note is lower. Yeah, so I... I Every investor is different. I try to just look at IRR, um, but sometimes I've had deal, and it was weird. I've had deals where cash on cash was um, green for my chart. Now I set the the green and reds. Obviously, you know I don't think any other analyzer has the indicators like that. Um, it's just an easy way for my brain to kind of look at it real quick. But yes, you're correct. They don't both have to be green. And my other question was about um, projections. Do you usually need to see two years of T12s or are you comfortable with analyzing with just one year? Um, I've never seen two years of T12. Um, hence, and, and not being funny, but hence the T12 stands for trailing 12. Um, so it's usually only the last 12 months. Um, you will get maybe a T3. Um, but you won't typically see now you can ask for it and it's, it is wise to ask for it, but it depends. That's another thing. It just depends because you're asking for more than a T12 because you want to know the, the broad history of the asset. You're not just looking at, okay, I want to get in. You're looking at, okay, if you're, if you're asking for two, three years, five years, you're, you're maybe looking at it through um, through a crash to see how it held up. So it's a lot of reasons that you would look for, but you'll, you will never get uh, a T24, T36 uh, from an offering. You have to like really ask for that and hope they give it to you. They should though. Yeah, we've found that it takes a lot of asking to get that. So just trying to see what's the bare bones to... Or, or what's the, what informs your projections? Um, I would say up front, you and the banks will only be worried about the first year. Really? The last three months. But the only reason why the last three months is, I'm not going to say dangerous, but not the best picture is because you don't want to look at the last three months if this is, if this is January, because it's, January. So you got stuff, you know, you got Christmas and Thanksgiving. Um, you also might not want to look at it if it's with August, because now you're dealing with summer, which are hot months, not, you know, temperature, but far as people moving in, you want a very broad overview picture of what a typical year looks like with its ups and its downs, which is 12 months. And the, the T12 will also, okay. you will also see a, you know, the last three months, because it's 
12 months. So if you, if you, if you want to focus on the last three months, it's in there. You don't just say, you know, I have a T12, but I don't know what the last three months were. Yep. A little bit more micro look. Mm-hmm. Um, let me show you guys, since I have a few guys still left on here, I just want to show you, I, I think I showed you um, the detailed, um, can I get to it from here? Let's see. So this is what a, um, this is Michael's, Michael Blanc's uh, analyzer. Let's see if I get this stuff to be moved. There you go. So let's go to scenarios. Um, summary. Oh, here we go. Okay. So this is what it looks like when you start digging into it. And, and even from here, so this is a long-term view. Um, I project out as well, but I also get into the weeds and this is important, but what's more important or even more important, not just, you know, making this not important. There she goes, my camera. Let me turn on my other camera. Um, hold on one second. There we go. Okay. So uh, what's even more important than the projection over a couple of years is doing the months. So having, uh, I don't have it on screen share. I'm showing you guys stuff. And you can't even see it. Let's see. There you go. So this is um, a multi-year projection, but what you want to look at first, I would say is first 12 months that you've purchased it, the second uh, 12 months, the third 12 months, because as soon as you close, <laughs> you go celebrate. And then after you finish eating dinner, then you go back to the building and start your business plan. You literally start that fast. You don't wait. Oh, okay. Well, next week we're going to have the painters. No painters need to be coming over the day after closing the day you have your keys and all the papers have been signed because now you're on a, a, a clock. So month one, how many units are not, I don't want to say operable, but how many units um, can you not have tenants in because you are turning over, which means you're losing income, which means you're losing uh, a return. So you want to know, okay, month one, um, our gross is normally a million, but month one, it was 800,000 month two, it was 800,000 month three, so on and so forth. And kind of have an idea and a roadmap of when that gets back stabilized and you have the amount of units turned over that you want to. So to me, one year, one year, two year, three is good. It's, it's a good overall performer, but you really want to have it detailed in the months. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, hold on, this Omar and Shujit. Um, I took you guys off from mute. I'm sorry if you had questions. Anybody else has, have any questions? Hey, I got one. Hello. Hi. Um, so when we 
plug in numbers from OM um, that that we are provided, do you run two different scenarios on the current situation and the projection? You yes, you run numbers on, and I'm sorry, I, I thought that was your husband. <laughs> um, you run numbers. <laughs> We're it on is? separate Zooms. Yeah, okay, I'm separate. like, man, I just totally uh, called this guy out and it is not who I thought of. Okay, we'll <laughs> make sure. Um, you run numbers on the current to make sure the numbers are correct. Um, sometimes people lie intentionally and sometimes they lie, um, I forgot that camera's not on. Sometimes they accidentally leave information out. Um, so we were looking at a, I don't know what to call it. Um, the smaller the property, the more horrible the information is because they're dealing with less money to have worse software, less personnel to keep track of stuff. So we literally got a <clears throat> expense sheet and it had rent and property management. And that was it. And I was like, do the tenants pay everything? Cause there are no expenses on here. Like y'all don't do landscaping. You don't have a marketing, like there is nothing on there. Um, which is not that out of the ordinary for, uh, it was a 20 unit, you know, and it was a portfolio. It was four, it was four, no, five quadplexes. Um, but it was, it was, a, we thought it was a good deal until it wasn't. So to answer your question, um, you do numbers right now to make sure they're correct. Um, you do numbers now to make sure you're not overpaying or hopefully you're underpaying and getting a deal and you do projections to figure out how much profit you can make and your, what your returns would be. How do you estimate the value creation aspect? Um, the thing that is the trickiest, more so for Texas, because Texas is a non-reporting state, um, which means we don't know how much property sold for, which means we don't know what cap rate was agreed to. There are ways to find it, but it's always fuzzy. Uh, Marcus and Millichap is one way that you can kind of find out. Um, asking a broker. Sometimes I'll just call a broker and say, okay, what's, what's the cap rate? Well, let me take that back. I don't ask the broker the cap rate because it's kind of asking the same question twice. Um, but you can. I, I have asked the broker that. The reason why I typically don't straight out ask the broker what the cap rate is, because they're telling you what the cap rate is when they tell you the price. So when you call a broker and you say, hey, what's the whisper on this property? And they tell you 10 million and they send you the uh, offer memorandum. The offer memorandum will have the NOI. You just multi you multiply the... No, you divide, I'm sorry. You divide the um, the offer price by the NOI and they give you the cap rate. So um, it's tricky, but it's it's ways to, to do it and, and to figure it out. Thank you. That was good. You're welcome. Thank you. 
Presley, do you entertain um, deals from wholesalers if they have a buyer? Unfortunately, yes. Um, I get burned every time I do. Um, <laughs> the only reason why is wholesalers. I don't, I don't come across wholesalers who have deals from actual buyers. They're always deals from other brokers. And if it's a deal from another broker, you got the deal because the broker couldn't sell it to anybody else, which means it's probably not a good deal. Most of the time I found some deals. Actually, one of the first deals that I found through a wholesaler was in Dallas and I drove all the way to Dallas and I ran the numbers in a car and I was like, this is an absolutely amazing deal. And one, cause you're getting it from a wholesaler. You're the last person to know about the deal because the broker has already sent out, you know, emails on the deal. And it was a guy in bankruptcy trying to sell his portfolio. And I got to Dallas, ran, looked at the properties, walked the properties. It was three of them. Went to lunch, called the broke, called the wholesaler. And he said they had all just sold. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, that's the closest I've ever gotten to getting good information from a broker, uh, from a wholesaler. After that, the host, some other wholesalers that sent me information and sent me properties, sent me property that a friend of mine had already bought. Whoa. And I don't know, I don't remember why I called the guy and was talking about the properties. I think he had just told me, because he was excited. He was like, I just closed on a 88 unit. It's some weird city. Not a weird city, but it wasn't, you know, Dallas. It wasn't in a triangle. Corpus Christi or Brownstown or it was something like that. And I remember the wholesaler sending me um, the information. And I was like, wow, that sounds just like such and such property. And I called him and I was like, hey, what's the name of your... And, we got on three-way and yeah, my friend cussed him out. He was like, how are you selling something that I already owned? <laughs> yeah, so don't disregard wholesalers, but just take them with a grain of salt. Is it a uh, bad form to try to go around them? I mean, do they actually have a contract? No, they're getting information from brokers or brokers' websites and then just reposting it. It's called Daisy Chain. Mm -hmm. The thing is, not all wholesalers do that. Um, I have a friend now who, I haven't met him yet, but supposedly has a friend who's a wholesaler who only deals with direct-to-seller. So I know they're out there. I, I just ain't met them yet, but I do know they're out there. They're just hard to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like to go around people, but I just... I also don't want to work with someone who can't get direct to seller. If we have questions that kind of mm -hmm. makes things complicated for me when I'm presenting deals. Yeah. Don't go around it. If you're nervous with wholesalers, just don't deal with wholesalers because your name is very valuable. Um, and you don't want to have wholesalers spreading your name in a negative light, even though I, wholesalers are you know usually the least listened to you still want to always um be in the highest regard you know with with your peers mm -hmm.
So if a killer is working it, there's lower chance of it being a deal. Yep, just just probably because they've gotten it from a broker who is desperate to sell the property. And it's probably not a good, it's probably a really bad price um, or something else wrong with the deal. Foundation might be bad or something like that. Okay. Guys running out of questions. We only have every other week for the rest of the year. So <laughs> all right, cool. So we'll wrap it up here. Um, everyone should have my information. So you can call me or email me or whatever if you have uh, more questions. And um, I don't typically put the Tuesday conversations anywhere. I might take a snippet and, and uh, use it for marketing. But if you guys, uh, I'll put it on the, um, the Dimensional Capitals uh, YouTube, YouTube channel page. Uh, so if anybody wants the link, they can just uh, let me know and I'll send you the link. Also, give me a couple of days. Um, everybody should be trying to go to going, trying to go to Dealmaker Live in Dallas. Um, except uh, Aya and Sujit, because you guys already live there. <laughs> but you should go anyway. Hey, have you guys decided if you're going to the uh, California thing? I think we decided today that we're going to stick around and go to the Dallas thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. so hope to see you there. I'm sure I'll see you guys there. Um, yeah, guys. we'll find you. I will be there. Be the probably the only curly haired guy there. <laughs> <laughs> you get um, to see the new haircut. Yeah. I actually forgot to get a haircut because uh, last week, so my, my barber is very, um, he's very hard to pin down because his, so he has an app and his app literally gets booked in under 60 seconds for the week. He only does it per week. So if you wake up Sunday and you don't get it within the six, first 60 seconds, you can't get a spot. And I wow. forgot to set my alarm clock. Um, so cool. We'll wrap up um, for this week. And I appreciate everybody joining. And I hope you will come again next week. I have no clue what I'm going to be talking about next week, but I'm sure it'll be something cool. And hopefully it will be someone on there. Uh, and now I'm looking at the dates. Um, June 2nd through June 4th in Dallas. Um, Google Michael Blank. Um or yeah, Michael Blank, Dallas, multifamily conference. It's, it's all over the internet. It should be up there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's coming up. So <laughs> flights might be a little, little bit expensive. Um, but yeah, if you guys got questions, also um, I will upload this to our YouTube channel. So the links will be there. And I will see you guys again next week. Marcus, you had a question before I cut off? Yeah. Hey, Presley. Thanks. I had a quick question. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you making time to do this video and go over the deal um, and what a good deal looks like. I, I've been in investment sales for about five years now, and I've made the transition onto the principal side with my family business. 
Um, and I can definitely see where the framework you gave on today's deal is, you know, what used to be considered a good deal. You know, mm -hmm. now we're living in funny number time. So mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to be parking their capital on the sidelines. But I'm making this transition from being an investment broker and being a principal. And, you know, one thing that I'm coming across is having a hard time relaying that message to, you know, some of the relationships that I've developed over the past five years. Um, more so because there seems to be a disconnect as to what investment brokers presume to be a good deal uh, mm -hmm. at, in regard to what, you know, what principals and investors seem to presume is what is to be a good deal. Um, what do you think the best method is to kind of get over that hump? Oh, um, that is more of a psychological, um, a psychological answer. You have to set clients in the correct mind frame. Um, so this is not me talking as an investor or, or, or sponsor or syndicator. This is talk, me talking to you as a person who owns a mental health clinic, even though my wife is the one with all the degrees. <laughs> um, you, so what I would do is make sure you're, you're established, or this is a correct phrase, your establishment of trust is on a good foundation. The reason why I say that is if you tell a five-year-old it's raining, they're going to believe you it's raining. If you're telling your clients or giving your clients information and they're not taking that as truth, then you just want to make sure, and I wouldn't feel nervous about it, but you want to make sure that they have the trust in you that you want them or need them to have. There are different ways to do that. Um, my next question to the client would be, why do you feel and where are you getting the information from that this is not a good deal? And what do you think is a good deal? And how can you justify that? So you're telling me, Mr. and Mrs. Client, that um, a good deal is 20%, which it is. But where are you getting your information from that 20% is still the deals that can be found in this environment? So you're dealing with a little bit more of a, a psychological, how to negotiate, understanding the, from the, the, the client's um, perspective, their thoughts and their motives more than just um, your job duties and titles, which is, is part of it because, you know, it's the sales, you're always selling yourself. You're always putting yourself in a situation uh, to have and to gain a trust. But that's where people will either shine or not do as well because everybody is not naturally equipped with those tools. Um, and if you are, start utilizing them and understanding that I can't come up with them as, as a sales pitch or not even a pitch, but a, a strategy. I have to come at them from more of a, a, a thought and, and processes, thought processes, um, state of mind. If you don't have those tools, um, Google and read, read books to help equip yourself with those tools, which is all of that's part of my coaching part too, the psychological part. Y'all like how I keep throwing that coaching stuff in there? 
<laughs> that makes that's sense. Funny. I crack myself up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's definitely applicable. Um, kind of to parlay to that, I know I may be keeping you past time, but... Uh, oh, you're fine. One thing I, I also come across is as, I, as I've been having conversations with some of the clients I've, I've picked up over the past few years is... Um, they look for deals themselves as principals. You know, some of them are, you know, they do LP placements, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are actually taking deals on themselves uh, because, you know, they have the capital to do so. So they, they, they wonder or they ask, so are you not really helping me anymore? Are you just looking for, <laughs> you know, passive placement? Um, and that's kind of a very strange conversation because for the past five years, I've been calling them saying, Hey, you know, I have this deal for you, or is there any value add service I can do for you to help you and, you know, your existing portfolio, or are you trying to unload? Now it's a call saying, hey, you know, are there other areas of focus that you have, and are you looking to passively invest? And they think, well, hey, aren't you supposed to bring me deals for me to buy rather than to just give you, you know, the, the LP placement? Yeah. So would a better strategy be to, you know, offer a GP to some of those that I have a trusting relationship with? That way they don't feel... Um, like they're losing strength in the deal? Um, I am by nature and character uh, off of myself to be very vulnerable. Um, so I would go to them and say, hey, I want to maintain uh, an amazing relationship with you. Tell me what that entails for you. What What can I do or what would you be looking for that would still excite you? Would it be, like you said, bringing uh, GPs to your deal or bringing, what, what can I do? Because the stuff that I was doing obviously is not working anymore. So, you know, and sometimes people will take that as um, a sign of weakness and be like, well, if he doesn't know what to do, like they'll have the answer, but he, they'll think if he doesn't know what to do, then, you know, we don't need him anymore. And some people will honor that and say, you know what? I appreciate that you're working. You're still being diligent and working diligently in our relationship and our business relationship. Um, that's a people thing. And the, the weird thing about people things are they don't work for everybody because people are onions and everybody has layers and everybody acts and reacts differently. Um, And I use this metaphor all the time. Deals and people are like women because there's this thought that a woman does this or a woman says this. It's a whole bunch of different type of women, you know, and everybody's different. So whatever approach that you might be able to use on one young lady or investor who happens to be female won't necessarily work on somebody else. And you have to understand that you might lose a deal because it didn't work on that human. You might gain a deal because that same thought process and that same strategy worked on somebody else. So be confident in yourself, be confident in the strategies and the research um, that you've done and keep walking and moving because if you lose something, you probably lost it for a reason. It wasn't meant to be and understand that when you lose something that you can pick something else up. So don't be super duper focused on, I have 10 clients and I need to retain these 10 clients forever. 
No, you might need to lose seven because you have five big fish out there that, you know, that are trying to come on board, but because you're giving your attention to those, you know, previous people, it's not leaving mental room to come in for the, for the other people to come in. You ever seen a picture with, uh, and this is a religious picture, but there's a picture with um, Jesus and he has a huge teddy bear behind his back and a little teddy bear in the front. And he's like, you know, if you only knew if I could just take this away so I can give you the big teddy bear. And that's how a lot of people go through life. Um, The other really cool picture is the miner that's digging and he's been digging for a long time and the, the diamonds are like right on the other side and he's thinking about giving up. Yeah. Don't give up. Um, just keep doing you keep polishing yourself, keep polishing your craft. And it kind of doesn't matter what happens. What's going to fall off. It's going to fall off and what you're going to gain. You're just going to be better for it. Was that the longest answer to a really short question? <laughs> no, no, that, that makes sense. Okay. That definitely makes sense. <laughs> Is I, I've been perplexed in how I approach the situation with different clients. And mm-hmm. uh, some of them are excited uh, to be able to do it. And others feel like, okay, well, we're competing in the same MSAs now. Uh, mm-hmm. That means you're chasing deals that I want to personally take down. So mm-hmm. how do we still collaborate then? Um, and I tried to approach it in a candid and, and transparent manner where I say, you know, maybe I can offer some type of operational efficiency that maybe you don't have, or you can do that for me and mm-hmm. we can work collaboratively rather than, you know, be foes in the same playground. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the type of conversations I've been having because I, I'd like to keep those relationships going, but you know, if it, if it's unable to happen because, you know, it just, for whatever reason, isn't, then that's, I guess that's fine. To, right. To be able to grow. Um, yes. And What's happening is you are actually, it's not you, your clients are transitioning to another side of the fence. So one, don't take a personal because it's nothing because you you're doing the same thing you've been doing. What's happening is they're, they're sourcing deals and finding deals. And so now they're kind of looking at you like, well, if you're looking for deals and I'm looking for the same type of deals that you're looking for, should we be talking? Um, so two things, one, either just don't worry about it. And like I said, it fits if it fits. What I would more so suggest is because I'm getting the sense that you already know who's playing in those fields. So do not approach them with deals, approach them with other um, uh, value add strategies. Um, hey, John, I know that you're, you're, you're looking at multifamily now. Um, I just met a really awesome property manager. Or I just read a really awesome uh, GC who seemed to be really efficient. He's been doing this for a long time. I just wanted to call you and give you his contact number. And hopefully that will uh, add value to the next product you go to. So you're not calling them with other deals. um, Because what's going to happen is you're going to call them on a deal that they're going to put already trying to put an offer on. So the people that's already doing that, don't call them with deals, call them with value add information, strategies, resources, whatever, to help them what they're already doing. So just change, change your uh, pivot for those buyers and the buyers that are excited, keep doing it. Hey, I got another multifamily. Matter of fact, Marcus, just call me with deals and it'd just be me and you. How about that? 
All right, that makes sense. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, your hands. In case anybody else has anything else. Um, thank you. Thank you guys for the amazing advice to see. California is also multifamily focused, um, actually doing land development and building new multi units for seniors. California is, I think, I think if you're in California, it's a good place to do deals because you know, hey, this area is, is hot. Don't go there. This area is not the, the typical, you know, too hot to touch California, kind of like Houston like uh, or Texas. Houston, you know, we know there are certain parts of, of Austin, uh, like I think Cedar, Cedars, uh, whatever the city's right outside of Houston, uh, Austin is. We know where areas are going in Austin. We know er what areas to go in into Dallas. And we know what areas to go into. So I, I think it just, a deal is a deal. It really doesn't matter where it's at. There's deals in New York. Um, I get them all the time. I don't really look at them because I don't buy in the Rust Belt, but there's deals everywhere. So yes, it's, it's probably amazing deals in Cali. It just, if you run the numbers um, and they look good, they look good. What else? You guys got quiet. Oh, the California. What do you mean, Jay? What what California? Oh, um, that's a Aya question. <laughs> as far as the California event. Oh, uh, the San Diego event was a business advising. It was not real estate specific. I thought you were talking about something that was coming up in the future. Um, it's the same weekend. It's this weekend. Okay. So we had to decide if we were going to go out to San Diego because uh, someone invited us there, but we feel like the Dallas event is a little bit more relevant to our current business model. And if you guys have any ideas of, uh, well, it's supposed to be an open conversation, but if you have anything specific um, you want me to talk about next week, just let me know, shoot me an email or something. We'll see if we can, um, see if we can incorporate it. So I had a question. Are you actively doing deals in Texas right now or using capital? Yep, Texas, um, the Carolinas, uh, Florida. What did I do? Um, Georgia. Uh, where else? That's roughly it. I get deals okay. in, in other places, but that's that's like if I see those areas, that's where I get excited. Sometimes I'll look at deals outside of there, but... Yeah, roughly those areas. And do you have minimum placements on the deals? Um, I'll do any deal that makes sense. Um, as long as they can manage a property management company, 
uh, or you know, fitted any expenses. Um, we're not looking to do gigantic deals right now. So I would say probably sub 20 million would be fine right now. Okay. Yeah, the, the reason I ask is because we have a we have a lending business as well. We're currently working on designing a campaign to reach out to our higher net worth clients uh, to see if they're ready to reposition any of their capital and do any cash out refinances. Hmm. And uh, we're, we're looking for syndicators and operators that are taking deals out. And other MSAs, we're California-based, and we know the market's rocky here. And uh, hmm. we definitely see a flight to capital in, in bordering states. Uh, and we're looking for operators to team up with and you know collaborate in a sense where we can we can help funnel. Yeah, capital. definitely call me. Um, okay. I'm not gonna say I know everybody, but I know I'm pretty well. Con- this space is really small, really, really, really small. Which I don't makes behooves me why people do unethical things here because everybody goes to the same uh, virtual syndicator coffee shop. Um, definitely keep me updated on that. Um, and if it's something that we either don't have a taste for, or is bigger than we really want to get involved with, um, we can bring people in. I have people at all levels. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, I will wrap up and I think I need to take my baby. I think my, my, my one-year-old has an ear infection, so I might take him to the clinic tonight. We'll see. So I will wrap it up and I will see you guys, uh, next week. I will probably see, well, I will see, um, yes, seven figures keeps running across my, uh, Seven figures and nine doors down keeps running across my uh, my platforms, but um, yeah, Marcus, you want to put in in the chat your um, your info? Yeah, and then I'll give um, I'll give them a, a few minutes to to write it down because I don't think you guys do. You guys get a um, a copy of the chats. I don't think you guys get a copy of the chat once we once we end it. Make sure that nothing crazy happened. I have a quick update for you, Presley and Jay. Mm-hmm. We found out today that uh, that Texarkana deal fell apart because it was um, overvalued. Oh wow! That was a big relief for me to that I pulled out when I did. Is it normal to put hard money uh, before due diligence? Day one, yes. Yeah. <laughs> In this environment, yeah. Mm. Well, you better know your numbers then. Yeah, um, I had a debate with someone about that uh, last week, and they were like, no, they're just making you do hard money day one because they don't know you, or maybe it's a new broker. I'm like, mm. nope. 
because however you want to rate my experience, uh, and Marcus put his, his information in the chat as well. Uh, however you want to rate my experience, my business partner is a securities attorney for most of the big guys that's been doing this for a long time. And all of his deals are uh, earnest money hard day one. So, yeah, that's normal in this environment. It, but it also depends if you're if you find a deal. I don't know, a smaller area. St. Louis is not small, but. I don't know, Mississippi, and it's a good deal, or uh, Savannah, Georgia, where my uncle used to live. Um, it's not a huge, well-known area, and you're direct to seller. Then no, it probably it's probably not you know hard day one. It just but it, so it really depends. If you're going through a major broker, then yes, it's probably hard day one. If it's a direct to seller or if it's a broker that's in a smaller area and it's not as competitive, then it also might not be day one. Um, I, uh, do you have your pen ready? I can read it out to you. Yep. It's, uh, I'm getting old. 626-827-7465. And I read it again as 626-827-7465. His email is Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S dot H as in Henry. So Marcus dot H at H-E-R-N-R-E. -E. So Henry, but uh, an E instead of a Y. So H-E-R-N-R-E -E and it's dot com. Got it. Thank you. You are so welcome. Um, okay, I think I'm caught up. Yep, Marcus, send me some stuff and I will see you guys next week. Thanks, Presley. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you uh, being so faithful. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, bye, guys.